Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is awesome to be here. I am so excited uh, that we are in the season of Advent, that we are part of God's church, and we are able to live out the hope that we feel during this season of Christmas, uh, that we get to live it out in the world around us, that we get to share God's love and grace with everyone we come in contact with, even those people that cut off, cut us off uh, in the parking lot and take that cherished upfront parking lot position when we're trying to go to the mall or to the store to buy Christmas presents or whatever it is, we're able to show love and grace to the people that we come in contact, especially during this season of Christmas. If you're new here, I just wanted to say welcome. Uh, We are excited that you're here. Thank you for joining us, whether you are joining us online or in person. We are so excited that you have chosen to spend a portion of your day in celebration of who God is and what God has done, especially during this season of Christmas. Uh, My hope is that you'll realize that we are passionate about Jesus Christ. We know we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that is Jesus Christ. And we want to be more like him, and we want to invite you to go on a journey with us, to grow in relationship with God, in relationship with one another, so that we can live out our faith together, that we we can love God with everything we are, our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and, and, and that everything together in us praises God with, with what God has called us to. And it's this excitement, this expectation that we're going to be talking about today. We started last week uh, for our Christmas series, we started by talking about the anticipation anticipation of Christmas, the hope that it's just right around the corner and there's so much to hope for, not in presence under the tree, but in the presence of God with us. And this week, we're going to talk about expectation. The expectation that we have in life, the expectation that God has for us, the expectation of of our relationship together. Uh, Expectation simply means a strong belief that something will happen or, or be the case in the future. That, that, that we, we expect something to take place, that something is going to happen to us or for us or, or because of us, that something is going to happen that's, that, that is going to be carried out. And that's our expectation. I remember uh, when I was a kid, maybe you've had some expectations around Christmas presents. When I was a kid, uh, I had one year that I really had some, some massive expectations. Uh, I, I, I expected a BB gun for Christmas. That's really all I wanted was a Daisy BB gun. Now, you may be sitting out there thinking that I am just making this whole story up because it's very similar um, to, to what happened uh, with A Christmas Story, but I, I, I promise you I'm not making it up. Uh, I, I had this expectation of a Daisy BB gun, not a Red Rider, a Daisy BB gun that I was going to get for Christmas. Uh, and this was one of the years that we went to San Antonio um, my, my grandmother lived in San Antonio. We lived in Houston, Texas. And so we drove the four hours to San Antonio for Christmas. And, and it was one of those years that maybe you have this all the time, but we didn't. I had family that lived in Colorado uh, and they came in for Christmas. We all met at Meemaw's house 
for Christmas that year. My cousins uh, from Colorado were there. My cousins that lived in San Antonio were there. The whole family was together, and all the boys slept together in the den uh, at, at Mima and Papa's house uh, while we waited expectantly for Christmas morning. And then when Christmas finally broke, when we finally all got up, uh, not from me trying to get the rest of the family up so that we could go and see what was under the Christmas tree, uh, my expectation was met 100%. There on the mantle from Santa himself was the exact Daisy BB gun that I had wanted. The exact Daisy BB gun that I had hoped for, except that it had a name tag on it that said John, my cousin. Now, my cousins were a couple years older than me. I was the youngest of the family, and I, I was just heartbroken. I was like, surely Santa got this wrong. That one's mine. And I told John, no, that was actually mine. And he was like, no, it's mine. I asked for a BB gun from Santa as well. And I was so disappointed. Because the BB gun that I had longed for, that I had written Santa for, that I had hoped for, that I expected, was right there. But it wasn't mine. My expectations turned to disappointment. And I'm sure we've all felt that. Now, for me, it was great. Uh, because uh, when we got home, Santa, knowing that Mima did not approve of children my age having BB guns, had made a special trip to our house in Houston, and there on the mantle when we got home was the, the Daisy BB gun that was for me. But that didn't change how disappointed I felt, because my expectations weren't met initially. Now, it, it resolved itself, right? And sometimes our expectations aren't met, and, and it causes great disappointment in us. Maybe, maybe uh, you expected a, a Christmas gift one year, or a birthday gift, or a gift from a special someone, and instead of what you expect, it's something different. Uh, or you expect a test to be pretty easy, or that you studied enough, or that you knew enough and didn't have to study at all, and now you realize that it's not. Or you expect the people in your life to behave a certain way, but instead you're hurt, heartbroken, or irritated. They say that one of the most likely reasons for disappointment in a family is unmet, unspoken expectation. It's easy to find disappointment an expectation. It's easy to become disappointed when your expectations aren't met, even if nobody knows what they are because they're your expectations. And we all have expectations. We have expectations on how our day is going to go, on how our life is going to go, on how our relationships are going to go, on how our moment-to-moment -moment <laughs> is going to go. And this is the, one of the most interesting aspects, I think, of the story we're going to look at today, because it's a story filled with expectation, unspoken and crushed expectation, uh, and, and changed and transformed for the better. We're going to be looking at the story of the announcement uh, of, of Mary, the, uh, to Mary, that she was going to have a baby, a baby named 
Jesus. Um, And it's the expectation that she had on her life that was crushed because her life would never be the same after this moment. It starts this way in Luke's gospel. In the first chapter of the gospel of Luke, uh, an author who decided he wanted to undertake uh, and put together all of the stories around Jesus that he writes this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Um, Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and Gabriel has been pretty busy this season already. He, last week we talked about Gabriel showing up to Zechariah in the temple to share with Zechariah that they were going to have a child, that his wife Elizabeth and he were going to have a child even in their old age. And, and, and now Gabriel shows up to Mary. Mary was on her way to get water from the well in, in her hometown. And, 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 and there an angel decides he's going to show up. Um, Gabriel is a pretty busy guy. Uh, And what we need to understand uh, is that when it says betrothal or that that she was betrothed to be married, it's not like for us. Because when we hear that today, we think they're engaged. Okay, that's cool. They're engaged. He said, would you marry me? She said, yes, that's cool. They can stop being engaged at any time if that's the case, but that's not the reality of, of the process of getting married in first century Israel. The process takes a lot more steps than that. Uh, There is a betrothal process and then finally a wedding process, but the betrothal process is really the the meat and and potatoes of the wedding service, of the wedding uh, agreement, because the betrothal process is where a dowry has been paid from the, the prospective son Uh, the father of of the boy, man that is going to get married to the the father of the daughter. That there is a financial transaction that takes place. The dowry is paid. Now, the dowry doesn't have to be in money, monetary gifts. Uh, It could be like we look uh, in the Old Testament, we can see that, uh, you know, somebody worked for seven years uh, so that they could marry someone. Uh, but there is this, this sense of exchange that I will give to you something of value, some dowry, some work, some land, something of value. And then we are engaged. So the, the marriage is actually uh, complete. They are considered husband and wife, but they have not consummated their marriage. That takes place a year later, and usually during that year, the, the man, the, the husband-to-be, the groom, uh, will, will set out to build a home for him, himself and his new family, uh, and that in the year there would be a procession down to the house, uh, and then the husband and wife would consummate their marriage. And that was the wedding. The, the emphasis was on the betrothal. And that had already taken place. There had been a financial exchange between either Joseph or Joseph's father and Mary's father. That, that they were, for all intents and purposes, married. Just not, and they hadn't reached that final year point. Yet. So uh, we don't know how long they had been engaged, but they were betrothed. 
And so I, I, just, I just wonder about this because I've, I've never been, this is going to be shocking, I've never been a 12 to 14 year old girl, which is the expectation of how old uh, that, that Mary was. I, I've never been a 12 to 14 year old girl. Shocking again, I know. Uh, but, but I can imagine her expectation, her expectation of what her life would be like her expectation of how she and Joseph would have a, a life together, how their life would go in the village that they lived in, how he would uh, do work and then come home and she would have meals prepared and, and be present, and, and how she would mother and nurture their children, how she would be a good wife, and that they would have a good life together. But then, then... An angel interrupts her expectations. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And in one of the greatest understatements in all of Scripture, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel Gabriel shows up to Mary as she's getting water from the well and, and, and says to her, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Um, this is, this is a, uh, the understatement of all understatements where she was a little troubled at what he said. I'm sure that she was taken back. Like she was concerned that she was wondering, uh, okay, is this really happening? Why is there an angel of God here with me? And why is he greeting me saying that the Lord is with me? What is happening in this moment? What is, what is going on? And the angel, knowing her fear, knowing her concerns, knowing her trouble, responds in the way that angels, only angels can get away with. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. The angel shows up to her and says, Hey, uh, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Uh, you found favor with God, but don't, don't, don't be scared because all I'm telling you is that you are going to have a son, and, and you will call him Jesus. Okay, so far so good. Uh, I'm going to have a son. Uh, you got to imagine Mary, Mary in that moment was like, okay, well, that's not too bad. I mean, it's nothing too out of the ordinary. Uh, I'm going to have a son. And, and, and that was a good thing because the sons were the cherished children at the time. Uh, that's not the way it is now, thank goodness. Uh, but sons had more value. And so that would, would give her a sense of, of hope and expectation about what was to come. But the angel continued, and the angel said, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel brings good news. The, 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 the child that she's going to have is, is going to reign over David's throne. The angel brings shocking news. The, the child that she is going to have is going to reign over David's throne and be king of Israel, the angel brings terrifying news that she is supposed to be the mother of the Messiah. Can you imagine the expectation that she felt 
upon her. Not her expectations, but the expectation of, of her people that the Messiah would be born, that she would be an appropriate mother to the Son of God. Can you imagine her fear of failing the expectations of her role? If she believes it at all, any inkling that what the angel is saying is true, then she knows what's going on. And she may be from a backwater town, but she knows, she knows what God has promised. You see, God, through the prophet Samuel, told David, king of Israel, back many years ago that his offspring, his offspring would sit upon the throne forever. The Messiah, the promised one, was the one that they were waiting for. Samuel says this, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, he's talking to David, when you die, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build my house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men and with floggings inflicted by human hands, but my love will never be taken away from him. As I look, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Here's the promise, the expectation. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. David had a son, and his son was building God's house, but that wasn't the one that was going to sit on the throne forever. That one would come after the Messiah, the promised one, the one who would redeem Israel and restore their right place in the world. Mary knows the expectation of her people about the Messiah. She knows that the Messiah is supposed to come and sit on the throne of her, her, her relative, David, and that she now has a role in that. Can you imagine the sense of expectation that she must have felt? The sense of fear over the expectation that she had. I, I, I wonder on that, and, and, and I wonder about her response because her response is simple. It's the response of someone who's just wondering how it's going to happen. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? What are we talking about here? Is this some future time where my husband and I are going to have a baby and this is what's going to happen? Or is something more at play here? See, I think Mary's reading more into the angel's words than we give her credit for, that Mary saw deeper into what the angel was talking about, that it wasn't going to be just any child that was born like normal, but there was something special that was happening here. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the, most, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The whole, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It's not going to be an earthly father, Mary. I wonder how she thought 
she was going to be able to explain that. I wonder what she felt in that moment. How, how, how small, how frightened she must have felt. And I think the angel sensed that as well because the angel gives her a bit of, of hope. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. She receives assurance of God's provision, assurance that God is with her and that God will make it possible. That the expectations that God is putting on her are not unfounded, but that He will walk with her in the process. So really, how would she respond? I imagine all of heaven holding its breath, waiting, waiting for her response. And she responds, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. <laughs> in, in my, in my uh, humorous imagination, I'm like, Gabriel's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess this is all done now, so I'm going to go. Uh, this girl, the faith that she has, the trust that she has, her expectations set aside. The expectation of her life with Joseph and the way that that was going to go, her expectations of how she was going to mother and nurture her child, all of that set aside for God. All of that set aside. And, and, and I, I think on that and I wonder and I marvel because we tend to get so disappointed when our expectations aren't met. And she just allowed her whole life to be derailed. Now she was going to have to explain to her parents how she was pregnant, explain to the community how she was pregnant, explain to the world about the Son of God that she had been gifted with. I wonder. I wonder about her expectations. I wonder about our expectations. This, this story prompts in me a couple of questions. First, what do you expect from Jesus? What is it you expect from Jesus? <laughs> if you're like me, um, sometimes I think it's too little. Maybe you sit there and you're, you're expecting a, a better life, that Jesus would come and just give you a little bit better life to your already pretty good life, that He would get you out of trouble if you find your way into trouble, that He would keep your children and family safe from harm, that there are so many expectations that we put on Jesus about that that are too small. Maybe you're out there and you expect that Jesus came to change everything about you. That Jesus came to ask you to lay your expectations aside so that you can follow him fully. The second question is similar. What does Jesus expect from you? You've been given the gift of Jesus, restoration uh, from sin and brokenness, restored into right relationship with God, given a new life. So what 
does Jesus expect from you? Does he expect you to have no change in the way that you go through life? Does he expect you to, to, to just go through life hoping upon hope that he will come like that special lifeline in the night when something goes wrong? Or do you think he expects more from you? Do you think he expects that you would receive his gift of life, that you would live in faith, and that you would put your radical trust or that you would put your trust in His radical life-changing power so that you could experience life in a new way today. I mean, we love the excitement of Christmas. This year, let's expect the presence of Jesus Christ so that together we can come to life in Him, so that we can be inspired by His Holy Spirit to live boldly in the name of God, to live for the life-giving gospel, so that we can share love and grace with those around us, so that we can offer our hope, our life, our love, our very expectations to God, so that we can live for him so that we can be so that we can be the body of Christ God's church filled with his spirit living in love of one another in love of God and in service to those around us let's pray gracious god we give you thanks for the gift we have in Jesus and the hope that you have filled us with Help us to be more like Christ now and always. And all of us agreed and said, amen.